the Brooklyn Grit pregame pod with Bruce Jones starts right now. All right, Grit listeners, we are back recording at about 11.15 Eastern time on Tuesday, November 26th. I'm joined by my partner, Matt Brooks, who's back in California. And Matt, before we get started uh, previewing these Celtics back-to-back games, I just want to congratulate us both because our guy Jared Allen is just kicking ass right now. Oh, man. Like, I don't think we've ever been more correct about calling something. I don't know if you have. I definitely have it. I'm usually the guy that completely whiffs on predictions and all that. Like, I just hate making them. But, I mean, I think we should, well, I'm at the point where we should feel partially responsible. <laughs> he just yeah, needs some, he needed someone to believe. Me, me, you, me you and Kenny, bro. Me, me and you brought the good juju. And Kenny just yep. said, Jared, can you please step up, like, just a little bit? And Jared was like, yeah, coach, how come you never asked me before? And- I, it's unbelievable. It's like he just realized, like, oh, wait, I can get uh, 20 rebounds if I want to. It's like, oh, well, there you go. Yeah, I love all it. All it took. All it took it. was a it. switch. Switch was flicked. And, and it's funny because I've been a Jared Allen stand for a few years now, and, and I even see people who I've been fighting with on Twitter DMing me and messaging me or uh, tweeting at me, like, you might have been right. And I'm like, it, it just feels so good. It's Yeah, it's great. You know, center's a tough position. It's uh, behind, behind point guard, it's probably the second toughest position to figure out. So... You know, when when guys figure that position out, though, they just it's really like night and day. So I'm excited for him. Yeah, I, I am, too. And I and the reason I always like Jared Allen and believe in Jared Allen is he doesn't need the ball on offense. No, you don't need to works. run anything through him. He just wants to set screens and make the little plays. And then once his man sags off him a little bit, you throw on the alley-oop. Exactly. And down and smiles. Or other centers, like you, they, they they want the ball run through them. Jared Allen doesn't need. And I've been on record for a while now saying I don't know, unless it's like a Jokic, or you know, and even Jokic, you have issues with him defensively. I think yeah. it's really hard to win when your best player is a center. Like I just, it seems like it's more predicated on guards and and wings. I just still think that's where the league is, even though it seems like we have a lot of really talented centers in the league. Maybe Towns could be that exception. He could be the best player on a championship team or yeah, a second yeah, best. Right. But, yeah, no, Jarrett's great, and this is a team with so many different scores and guys that need the ball that it almost makes him even more essential um, just because, again, there's so many guys that need their touches. You know, Spencer, Karras, Kyrie, Durant, although he can kind of – Durant's incredible no matter where you put him. Exactly. So it's, it's, it's very important for them to get this type of impact from him and – I, I love the idea of him crashing the boards when he started doing it back a couple weeks ago, right? When I like wrote that column, he, he just, it wasn't even like he had a couple games. It was like possessions we were looking at. I yes. was literally looking at individual possessions being like, wow, I really like the idea of Jared Allen crashing the boards. It kind of makes sense to use them like that. Cause no one really crashes offensive glass anymore. So, and then three weeks later, it's like, he's been doing this for 10 years the dude looks like andre drummond out there i, I just really i've just never seen a guy race to the occasion like this to this degree it's it's like a huge huge leap that i just i don't know it's really really beautiful to watch so he's either been reading things about him or whatever but uh you know so much for plateauing i guess yeah i guess he uh, figured out how to turn on the switch yep um so the rest of our nets we, we had a pretty pretty good week uh, started off poor with that Indiana blowout, but then the rest of the week the Nets took care of business. 
it was nice to see. I mean, that second unit is a struggle to watch uh, at, at some points, but Spencer Dinwiddie got the job done. Joe Harris stepped up when he needed to. Torian Prince had a decent week. What, what were your takeaways from, from this week? I mean, I'm sure you could probably mimic what I'm saying, but uh, I mean, this was a week where the Nets needed to win some games, get back to 500, and show that they could play before Kyrie gets back. For sure. Saw schedule. Um, and I think that there's the, yes, I think there are certain things that they do better without Kyrie now. I'll give the national media guys credit there. And I think that's just because of familiarity. And it's also just guys not worrying about, wait, why am I taking this shot when one of the greatest one-on-one players in the history of basketball is standing in the corner over there. I think that there's a little part of that. You know what I mean? Yep. It's, it's kind of hard to be like, Oh, I deserve this shot. When Kyrie Irving there with his hands, uh, you know, in his stance, ready to make moves. So, um, but at the same time, look, man, the schedule, they caught a couple injuries. Correct. They played some teams that really weren't great at all. Yep. Uh, that bulls team really still stands out to me as just being really a tough watch. Right. Do we need to oh. take it from the top? No, no, let's keep, let's keep going, man. You were okay. talking about how much of a disgrace that Bulls team is. Yeah, oh, yeah, the Bulls. Yeah, I don't want to get too much on the Bulls. But basically, easy schedule. You kind of nailed everything. Like, Torrey Prince is starting to show. I've been impressed with him lately um, just because he's starting to show other things that he can do. And that's something he talked to me about preseason is that he's going to slowly, you know, kind of as guys respect his three-point shot a little bit more. Um, when, and now we're into like, what's three years now of being a plus three point shooter. Um, yep. it's going to open up the floor for him. And I, I, I've really liked the way he's been starting to spray the ball a little bit more. Um, when he gets to the basket, it's still kind of like a perilous situation where it feels like, you know, he's gonna, <laughs> you're not sure what necessarily, yeah. but, um, but no, for, for the most part, they've looked good. Joe Harris has looked, he's been fine. Uh, I just wrote an article about him, um, on Nets daily and, He's given them pretty much everything they need. He just looks a little overextended for the most part. Um, you know, playing as the second option in a lot of lineups is probably not the best use of Joe Harris. Um, cause just cause you can, I mean, you know, for all of his gifts as a shooter, he's not exactly the most ridiculous athlete. He has a, a good motor. I don't think an incredible motor. Um, he's not like a, a, a JJ Redick who's just nonstop running around screens. Um, but, you know, it, it's a little bit easier to essentially, like, put a, a defender on his hip. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you've kind of handled everything. The bench, as you said, looks a little wonky. I haven't hated Teo Pinson as much as other people have. I actually think he's looked really good defensively, and he has moments where it seems like he can, at least down the line, be a pretty decent playmaker, and he's able to get to the basket. Kind of a little, little Dinwiddie-like in his finishes. He's just really not very refined. Just a work in progress, and then outside of that, you know, Temple and, and Shumpert and other players like that. So yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's a good week, but it'll be interesting to see when they get Kyrie and eventually Karras back in the fold. How this all works out. Yeah, a couple things that stuck out to me off what you're saying. Uh, Moose has had a very long leash this week. Yeah, uh, I found that interesting from Kenny. Um, and, and, and to your point about Torian Prince working on little things, I, I forget if you, I, I mean, I'm sure this has been reported a couple times. They, they always talk about how the Nets either start or finish practice with guys going one-on-one with coaches after they get their massages and stuff. Yeah. You could really tell that these guys are coached up. Every time I see somebody complaining about something on Twitter, 
you know, you, you see the, that that guy that's getting complained about working on it the next day in the game. Yep. So nice to have a coaching staff who does that. Yep. Yeah, they're very – it's a self-aware franchise, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, and I don't know if that's because they're looking at stuff on the internet or it's really just that they're seeing the exact same things that other people are seeing and they're not being, you know, stuck in their own ways. But I've been impressed by the coaching staff. I mean, everybody's saying fire Kenny and all this stuff. I, you know, myself included, even I was having moments sure – what this next stage is going to be like for him. Cause this is a little bit of a different challenge and it's still going to be a different challenge trying to figure out okay. how to acclimate Kyrie and, and, and Kevin into everything that they're doing. But um, he's done what he's needed to do so far. He's made the right adjustments and this team's defending and they care. And uh, you know, I I'm, I'm excited. I, I I'd be tentatively optimistic for right now, but yeah. I agree. Um, three tough games coming up. We got a back to back. We got Boston, uh, tomorrow night in Boston, it's an ESPN game. Mm-hmm. And Friday, Black Friday, we have a noon game in Brooklyn. So weird. It, it is weird. I, I guess they assume a lot of people are off work, even though a lot of people aren't off work. Yep. Uh, I'm off work, luckily. And then uh, Sunday, Miami Heat. So, I mean, the, these are this are the upper echelon teams of the East right now. Yep. Um, so the, this is going to be a big test. We know we don't have Kyrie for – do, do we not have Kyrie for either Boston game? Is that confirmed? Uh, that's It's not been confirmed. I mean, you know the Nets. They're not going to ever give you an actual yeah. timeline. But I'd, I'd assume that – and just based on I, – I was kind of off the map today with, with news stories and stuff like that. I saw this – whatever that was. The, the, it felt like aggregation almost that from the, the Boston media side about yeah. him being moody again, another one of those. But I, I thought I, – I don't know if there was something that came out that was an injury update from him. I don't know if you saw that today. I, I really was kind of off the grid. In yeah, terms of I, news. I, I, get, I didn't see anything. I, I know okay. he's definitely out Wednesday, so I want to assume he's out Friday. And, Me too. And hoping, he, hoping he's coming back one of these days. Yeah, because if he was close, they wouldn't. They would kind of make it a game-time decision just because it's such a big game for, for them and him, you know, in a lot of ways, coming back to Boston. That, that is true. I, I think they'll probably, since they're a game above 500, I, I think they're, they're still – I mean, regardless, they're not going to rush him back. But if I had to guess, I think the earliest he'd be back would be Sunday. Yep. That'd be my guess. Um, so we're catching another break with this Boston team. Got Gordon Hayward out. Yep. Um, and what the hell is his name? Why can't I think of his name? Tatum. The point guard. Uh, Kemba. Kemba Walker. So Kemba is game-time decision. He's coming off that weird neck injury crash thing that looked awful, but it looked like it was just – I mean, it seemed like it was just a sprained neck. So I think the Nets are catching another break here. Matt, do you, do you think we could split with Boston? I think it's possible. Um, you know, I was in writing my thing that I uh, wrote on Joe Harris that came out today. I, I was looking through a lot of, like, net stats because, you know, in, in order to come to Joe Harris's defense, um, I needed to come up with some pretty convincing narratives that the Nets' offense is suffocated, which it is, by the way. They're 28 and three-point percentage in their last – I believe it's well. I think since Kyrie is it went out, they're they're twenty eighth and three point percentage. The only teams below them right now are the Warriors, which makes sense because the Warriors are a G League team, and then the Celtics at number thirty. So, really? Yeah, which was weird to see because you you think of the Celtics, they're they're playing out of their minds. I know they've dropped a couple here, but they've I'm looking at it and they've what they've dropped three of their last four. Is that right? I'm. No, so two of their last four, and, and technically three of their last five. Okay. 
So, you know, the things that have been standing out, Jason Tatum is in a bit of a shooting 40% from the field on the year, which I didn't realize. I, I, you know, you hear all this. I, so much of the media is made up of Boston guys that, like, all you hear about is, you know, <laughs> one, uh, anti-Kyrie narratives, but two, um, is these how these how great these two young Boston wings look. Jalen Tatum has looked uh, Jalen Tatum. Jalen Brown has looked great. Jason Tatum's been a little inefficient. I've seen some numbers on him. Uh, his shooting numbers at the rim, his free throws really haven't gone up. He's still kind of a puzzling player. So, you know, I I, I think they're still kind of figure things out a little bit over there. Um, they've gotten a lot more out of Tease than I think anybody expected. And then Kemba is just, you know, you know what you're getting from Kemba. And it's just a well-coached team. So, you know, and before we kind of move on into looking at matchups, uh, I think their best player has been Marcus Smart this year. Really? He's been a dog. I, it just, it seems like he's just the complete heart of that team. And he's somebody that they rally around. And he's the guy that is always making these big plays at the end of games. He almost single-handedly, I felt like, won that game uh, on defense against the Clippers the other night. I, I just think he's been fantastic this year. And he, he's been he's been starting for them, right? He's been in the backcourt yes. with, with Kemba Walker. I mean, you know, the Nets, they've gotten some good uh, effort and stuff by, by Temple and by, uh, by Shumpert, but, man, they can yep. use a Marcus Smart. Yeah, I know there's a lot of Nets. I mean, and NBA fans around the league who, who covet a guy like Marcus Smart. 100%. It is, you know, you look at his shooting numbers, and he's, in, he's a god-awful shooter. But shooting thirty four percent, he's at least around average, which is fine. He was shooting yeah, like thirty seven. Yep, uh, thirty nine from the 40, field. <laughs> yeah, thirty nine from the field, which is which is better than his career numbers. Yes. Um. But yeah, he's 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 the opposite of a guy who fills up the box score. He's he's a guy who you watch, and you're yep. just so impressed with all the little things he does. Yep, he's the ultimate he's, eye he's, test guy. He is. He's the leader on that defense, uh, and he's a pain in the ass to play against. Yep. Yep. Um. Yeah, matchups. I, the first thing that sticks out to me is, and I've seen a lot of people tweet about it, is can Jared Allen get a little revenge against Ennis Cantor, who yeah. just absolutely ate him alive last season? Yeah, I. you know, this has been the Jared Allen revenge tour against everybody that gave him hell a year ago. That's true. Uh, so he's recently taken down Tristan Thompson, uh, Mitch Robb. Um, so I, I would hope that, I mean, they've they haven't leaned on – Cantor a ton just because of how good Tice has been. Yeah. Which bodes pretty nicely for um for for that for Jared Allen, honestly. Because that's just a size advantage for him. They bring yep. in Robert Williams off the bench. He's been I it, I've heard good things from him. I haven't honestly watched him a ton. He's kind of like a hyper athletic um shot blocker, at least in a macro sense, kind of similar to what Jared brings to the table. Yeah. So you know, I, I think that that'll be the if he can win that matchup with uh, with Tice, that's going to be one of their biggest advantages, just to control the boards like that. That would be beautiful. What what else do you see from this game matchup wise? What what else do you have? You know, down either for Boston or the Nets that could swing this one way or another. Um, I worry about the. I mean, the the thing about the Celtics, you know, in the midst of them not making any shots, they're still a top three defense. Their switchability is one of the big things that I'm not sure how the Nets are going to counter. Um, the, they've been moving the ball a bit better along, but um, you know, I mean, when they have a they have guys, like Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, depending who else is on the floor for them, that can stay in front of a guy like Spencer Dinwiddie. 
you know, if the Nets are smart, they're just going to try to get it, you know, situations where either they just attack early and they have, uh, and they, and they have Dinwiddie, you know, if he's matched up with Kemba, try to blow by him there, or they're going to try to put him in like, I, they don't really run like guard guard screens, like pick a, that's, that would be the matchup that I would try to look for see if they can get Kemba on, on Spencer and, and try to, you know, kind of run him off the starting blocks from there. Yeah. But, That'll be tough. Yeah, I mean, this is I. It's kind of not a great matchup for the Nets, to be honest with you. I don't. I don't love it for them, personally. Unless Jared Allen goes insane. That's that's I think their big advantage is with Jared Allen playing like a top. I don't want to call him a top ten center. Maybe a top twelve. Can we can we say that right now? Is he top twelve right now in centers? There's just so many guys who are centers but not really centers. I don't even know how to categorize. Yeah, position. exactly. Like well, you know, he's he's looked like he's in the upper echelon right now. We'll say that. Yeah. Much. Uh, Absolutely. Big so, I like it. Um, yeah, the other thing that sticks out is just all the guys in Boston are injured. Kemba Walker's day to day. Marcus Smart's day to day. Tyus's day to day. Gordon Hayward's out. Romeo Langford's out. So they have a, a, a couple guys off the bench. Uh, what's his name? Grant Williams, Javante Green. Yeah. Who, who are just guys that I, I think the Nets' cruddy bench should take advantage of. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a really young bench versus a really old – well, you know, we, the Nets bench is a mix of old and young. It's true. It's – so – because you have, like, Shumpert and, and who I guess is only 28 and DeAndre, but then you have, like, Teo Pinson and, and Musa. Um, I, the big thing that I also would worry about with the Nets is just turnovers. Um, this is the team that's going to kill you on those. This is the team that's very, very willing to for, to – force turnovers and score on fast break opportunities. Um, you know, they recently scored 50, what, let me see that 17 points on, on, uh, on fast break points against the Clippers. I think oh. the, at the top of the leaderboard, from what I remember, uh, 18, 17 would be like numbers one through five. So that's a lot of fast points with that. So that's something they need to do. And that's going to pertain to guys like Musa and Pinson, um, you know, those type of guys that like to turn over the ball, even in, even touring Prince a little bit, or even Joe Harris, who likes to get caught in the air. They need to yep. be wary of taking care of the ball. Got it. Uh, anything else stick out to you in this matchup? Do you have any other keys? Um, no, I'm interested to see who they defend Jalen and, Ta- and, uh, and Tatum with. Um, the Nets, you know, th- we've always talked about their lack of power forwards and whatnot. Um, and especially those like guys that can toggle between the three and the four are really seem to be the things that bite the nets. Cause I don't really see who they have to guard those type of guys. Boston's just full of them, you know? So yeah. that's something that I'd be watching for. And then of course, I'm interested to see who they put, who they, they slot uh, onto Kemba. Is that going to be Spencer Dinwiddie's job? Because in that case, I'd be worried about, you know, Spencer's, I, I actually think, has been really solid defensively lately. He's caught on picks just a lot. Like, it just happens. So, yep. you know, that, that is something I'd be, I'd be a little wary of. But, I wonder, uh, do you think Torian Prince ends up matching up with Tatum? Um, yeah, I, I would probably put him on Tatum, uh, especially because Tatum likes to go one-on-one a lot. Um, that's, that's where Torian Prince, you right? Know, that's what the I'd say he's the guy. Yep, that's the one place that he's a productive defender in, yeah, for the most part. Um, 
So I, I, I would, I would assume they would probably put him on Tatum, hopefully. But um, yeah. yeah, so I, I think that would be what that matchup would be. And then I guess that does that leave Joe Harris on Jalen Brown? I mean, that's a pretty unfavorable matchup. <laughs> I think it does, and that that is a little scary. That that is just about the least athletic guy on the Nets guarding a really, really hyper athletic wing. So I don't know what the hell that leaves you with. Uh, yeah, that this is the problem with these with the Celtics for the Nets is, you know, maybe you can cover one of these guys, but, like, you know, you're going to be using, you know, it says Torian Prince for all of his lapses on defense is probably really one of their wings. You know, yeah. what are you going to – we're going to dust off Nwaba for this game, who basically has played himself out of the rotation. Can Shumpert handle those matchups? I just think those guys are a little too big for him, even as young as they may be, and physically underdeveloped as, as they may be at this point in their careers. Um, it's a problem, I, I would say. I might stick Temple on Brown and then leave Joe Harris to cover Marcus Smart. That's not a bad idea. So you just hide Joe Harris? Yeah, um, I'd like to hide Joe Harris. You know, I think Temple's a, a slightly better defender than Joe Harris. See, I like that. I always forgot about <laughs> Garrett Temple. That's, that's so funny that he, he's a guy – This is that's the guy in this roster that I always, like, look over and – because he's just really quiet with his impact for the yeah, most part. So that absolutely. makes sense. He's been starting, which is crazy. You right. Know, he's easy to overlook. And Joe Harris, I mean, I actually think he's a pretty good, you know, because Marcus Smart is mostly going to be used as like a spot-up guy. And Joe Harris, for the most part, is pretty good about covering guys and not losing track of them. He has his lapses a couple times here and there, you know, every game or so. But he's pretty good at keeping track of guys as a long perimeter. I've noticed that. So yeah, I feel like I feel like Joe Harris always gets a hand in the face at least. Yes, yes, at, at minimum. So that yeah, I think I think you kind of stumbled upon it. That might be the best matchup for them. Um, um yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, whatever happens Wednesday, something different might happen Friday. Uh, I'm very interested to, you know, if Kemba doesn't play, I, I love the Nets' chances. If Kemba does play, I definitely lean Celtics. Yeah, me too. Just based on talent alone. Which is a basic um, I, evaluation, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, and I agree. Uh, didn't ask you to prepare for this, but have you watched the Miami Heat at all? I haven't watched them as much as I want to, uh, which is a shame. You know, it's yeah, funny. So what I found myself doing is I've seen most teams in the West. A lot of teams in the East, uh, they kind of overlap with either I'm watching a Nets game or I'm writing something or editing something the next day. So I don't necessarily get to see those earlier games. I've been watching a ton of the Western conference teams just because they come on at 1030. You know, yeah. I'm either done with watching the Nets. So I'm kind of kicking back. I just want to watch something casually or I'm done. You know, I just did something to, uh, to Nets daily or something like that, or even just finish a podcast or something like that. So my point is, is that a lot of these East teams, I just, I haven't watched as much as I would like to. So, um, I don't, I'm not going to give you a great prediction right now. I've already gotten flame for that. Uh, so, I mean. Brooks doesn't watch basketball. I know. I don't want to get, I don't want to get caught up on that on Twitter again. So, no, I am not going to give you a, a, a heat prediction just yet. Okay. All right. <laughs> this. We'll revisit it next week after the heat game. Okay. Um, anything else you got? Any final thoughts for, for this week for Nets basketball? Um, any, any, any articles you have coming out? I, I've, so it's going to be tough for me to write this week just because I'm with family all week. Yeah. Um, but I, I do want to look at something. I mean, it's not something that I think is going to change right away, depending upon 
uh, Kyrie's health status, which I'm a little bleak on right now. But I do want to try to do something about their rotations. I think that that is the glaring, maybe not issue, but it's the thing on the horizon that a lot of people, I think, are starting to talk about. You know, we have all these discussions about, is Karis LeVert going to come off the bench? So would he suddenly be promoted to, like, starting, I guess, shooting guard? Starts? I guess. So, which is kind of a, an odd, but I, I think functional backcourt, depending upon how he carries himself defensively. It might actually be better for him to, to, co- to cover the guy that's off ball a little bit more uh, versus having to take, you know, take care of the guy that's always involved in on-ball picks. So, you know, I, I think there's a lot of ways you can go with it. And then, of course, that shifts other things. Is Joe Harris still a starter? Because then you're getting into a much smaller rotation. So I, I, I'm sort of sifting over it. I'm thinking over it the next couple of days. I'll eventually probably put something out on that. It'll be a little different than some of my recent stuff. Um, a little probably more numerical based, a little bit less on film. I'll use clips here and there, but I think it'll be a good article when it, when it eventually comes out. I like that idea. I mean, the Nets have a ton of moving pieces. Um, Kenny's been pretty liberal with the rotation now, but you're right. When Kyrie comes back, when Karras comes back in a couple weeks and that rotation gets shorter, I mean, oh, and Wilson Chandler coming back. Yep. What would you do with the rotation right now if, I, if, I, if I'm putting you on the spot, since you put me on the spot a couple times? <laughs> so, so say everybody's back? Yeah, everybody's back. Um, I'd leave the starting lineup as is. Okay. I'd have uh, Dinwiddie and Karras come off the bench. Interesting. That'd be 6-7 uh, with DJ and... I don't know who the who the ninth guy would be. I, I would love to say Shumper, but we, we are also going to need to see what the hell Wilson Chandler can do. I don't know. But, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see a backcourt, which I know is the opposite of everybody else thinks, of uh, Dinwiddie and Karras. Of Dinwiddie and Karras. Yeah, Dinwiddie and Karras off the bench. Ultimately, and I've been saying it since last year, I, I think I think Karras LeVert is a great sixth man. I, I think he's just built for the bench. And he's a high usage guy. He he doesn't. I, I don't know. He he's a weird player. He's he not the perfect shooting guard. You know. No. Um. And I, I just think he'd be awesome on the bench. I, I don't know. I, I feel like Kyrie can do so many things. And then you add Kevin Durant to the element next year. But I, I feel like Kyrie can do so many things. If you had your first two guys coming off the bench with Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis Levert, I think it'd be lethal, man. Yeah. I think you. I, when I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking about running other teams' second units off the floor. Yep, because that's not the case right now. <laughs> oh, right now it, it's trying to, you know, you could see Kenny trying to stretch the minutes on these second units, like hoping that they don't lose the leads, you know. Uh, there, there was a stretch last night where the second unit got up nine points and then the uh, other team went on a 7-0 run right away. Right. It was like, oh, shit. And then Kenny called the timeout. Second unit came back out and they extended the lead a little bit, which was nice. But I really think the Nets have the ability and the depth, once they're healthy, to run second units off the floor and extend leads in games. Yeah, and I think that, like, so with this, with this like, starting lineup where you have so many scorers in it, it isn't a productive use of Karis LeVert to stand there on the perimeter while Kyrie – this is, this is going to sound like a Kyrie knock, it isn't. Kyrie – dribbles and tries to find his shot from the mid-range. And, you know, Karras is essentially standing there with his hands 
open as almost a decoy because like it's not to use him as an off-ball shooter but ultimately like if he's going to be a shooting guard next to Kyrie or yeah like next to a Kyrie Irving he needs to be able to shoot off ball so you know the more I agree with you the more I watch him the more I realize he has got a cut his the things he's good at he's like elite at he's an elite 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 player at getting the rim he's great at drawing contact um he's good at feeding his bigs you know whether that be off dump offs or on on lobs uh, although he hasn't done that as much this year but you know the skills that he doesn't have are kind of glaring this year his his playmaking is coming along but he turns over the ball a lot his defense has been really a letdown for me thus far so you know he might be a little bit closer to like not I don't want to call him a Will Barton but that's the guy that he keeps you know the more I watch Will Barton the more I'm like kind of reminds me of Karis LeVert a little bit where like and people people take that as a knock just because we have such high expectations for Will Barton's good well, he's he been like Denver's one of the Denver's like three best players this year. Like I, really I think, good. I think we we as fans and you know podcasters and writers we get caught up with with you know who's better than this guy, who's the top three players in the team, and it, it's more about how how they fit. Yep. It doesn't matter if Karis Levert's coming off the bench, right? Because the Nets are winning games, you know. Right. So you could say Spencer. Who cares who's better to me? It, it's all about fitting these puzzle pieces together and i'll tell you what man i'm not envious of kenny because he's got a tough job oh yeah yeah it's not gonna be fun and it's gonna get even harder when kevin comes back you know in a lot of ways he's gonna solve their problems but in a lot of ways it's another big personality that they need to fit back in who is going to be coming off an injury and is going to need touches to get his kind of get his footing in a lot of ways so and that's why i like taking a starting lineup of Kyrie, Garrett Temple, Joe Harris, Kevin Durant, Jared Allen, because you have two guys who are ball dominant, two guys who don't need the ball, and Joe Harris, who's a great spot shooter. You yep. know, yep. you don't need to have you don't need to put your best players in the starting lineup. You need to put the players that work. Yep. I don't know. I'm ranting, but now nah, you're good. I don't know. I have faith that Kenny's going to figure it the hell out, and I, I kind of feel bad that these injuries happen so quickly, and now Kenny's going to have to try to refigure it out. Yep. I'll leave you with this. I'm going to leave you with one last little tidying little thought. Um, This I'm wondering if the Kyrie injury was not the best thing for them, but it's definitely allowed some serious progress from Jared Allen. It's allowed Spencer Dinwiddie to find his footing and it's allowed Kenny to kind of tinker with the rotations and be a little more flexible because expectations are a bit lower. It's, it's like weirdly I could see it being the thing that brings their season together. And then Kyrie comes back and everything fits into place. You know, at this point, guys know how to play with each other a little bit more. Kenny knows which guys he can rely on and which guys play together well. It could work out really well for them. Something to keep an eye on. I hope hope you're right, and I can definitely see that happening. Um, Give me final, 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 final thought. Give me a prediction. Boston games, what happens? You don't have to give me a score, but what do you think the Nets do in these next two games? Yeah, I'll just give you, like, who's going to win what games – uh, it's really tough without the Kemba injury update. Yeah. I, I mean, that's a really good Celtics team. I know they're not playing as well. Missing Gordon Hayward like crazy. The Nets have been better at uh, defending the three-point line, which is good. I want to say split. I just don't know if I'm there. I don't know, man. This is, a, this is their first real, real tough matchup. 
this isn't even a, a depleted Kings team that had been playing well and kind of coasting on an easy schedule. It, this is a really tough game for them. So, or a pair of games, I should say. So I'm going to, I'm worried they're going to dip under 500 after this little stretch. Yeah, I, I am as well. It's definitely a big concern. Um, but the, I mean, the worst case scenario is you got 0-3 this week. You're 9-11. You probably have Kyrie coming back soon, and then you have some easy games ahead. Yeah. Yep. It, it would be a little demoralizing. Yeah, but I mean, you know. It wouldn't be the end of the world. At least we don't have to hear about the, the Nets are better without Kyrie narratives. <laughs> oh, okay. Silver lining. <laughs> I'm sick of all these Kyrie narratives. It's ridiculous. I'm, I'm very tired of it. Um, yeah, I'm going to go split. I'm, I'm going to say they, they okay. take one of the two. I okay. don't know which one. I think they're going to take one of the two. Okay. Cool. Well, that's it, man. Have a happy Thanksgiving. You too. Appreciate you joining me. Great listeners. Appreciate you guys listening to us. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back next week with some more pregame pods. Go nuts, Matt. Thanks a lot, man. Of course, man. Appreciate it. Thanks again for listening to the Brooklyn Grit pregame pod with Bruce and Matt Brooks. We appreciate you. We hope you have a happy Thanksgiving. Regular episode of the Grit coming back Monday. Uh, Matt and I will be back to preview the Hawks game next Wednesday. Go Nets.